one. I'm going to read just one verse of scripture, and you can turn to Judges chapter 6. Amen. Judges chapter 21, verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sound like the times we live in? Where everybody just kind of does whatever makes them feel good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy, your power, your love. God, your faithful people that are here tonight, oh Lord Jesus, we ask you, God, that you would open our hearts, our minds, draw us closer to you, Lord, as we get into your word, as we have felt your presence, Lord, we've lifted your name. Now, God, I pray that you would continue to draw us closer to you in a deeper relationship. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. to talk to you tonight from a chapter and a piece of another chapter in the book of Judges, and that's Judges chapter 6, and we will start there, amen, but let me just give you a little bit of an introduction, amen, and according, amen, to the introduction to Judges in the Apostolic Study Bible, it says, the majority of the book of Judges covers God enduring repeated betrayals by Israel, then God faithfully faithfully restoring them by raising anointed leaders or judges amen you'll notice in the book of judges if you study it or read it very much that uh, chapters 3 through 16 you're going to see a very brutal cycle that the people of God amen go through they will fall into idolatry God will send an oppressor amen Israel will will repent God will raise a deliverer Israel experiences a season of faithfulness and they will begin that cycle again. And that is pretty much the book of Judges. Amen. Can I get an amen? After that, amen, 17 through 21, you'll see his faithfulness to them. Amen. And it having a little effect on them and their devotion to him. And then we get into Samuel. Amen. We get into Samuel and you'll see kind of the opposite, amen, of that. And you'll see where God, amen, uh, in an effort to not let them slip into idolatry allows them to appoint a king which is not exactly his uh, idea either amen but it's certainly better than being in idolatry can I get an amen to that I want to talk to you tonight I'm going to parallel this just a little bit amen and and the reason why is I look at uh, certainly our opening text and that jumped out at me when it said in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes, amen. Certainly that is a spirit, amen, and a mindset that is slipping into the day and the hour that you and I live in, amen. Unfortunately, it's not just one in the world, but it's also creeping into some of the mainstream churches. Can I get an amen? Certainly not this church. I'm not preaching to a church that is involved in idolatry, amen. But if we will parallel and we will watch that, See, that's kind of what the preacher's job is. He's supposed to be up on the wall letting everybody know what's coming. And he's supposed to be warning and saying, you know, you may not be in this right now, but you certainly ought to recognize that this is a potential, amen. And if you are not guarded, if you not, do not watch yourself, if you do not maintain your prayer life, your study life, if you don't stay and maintain a relationship with God, you certainly could find yourself as the children of Israel did, amen. Walk with me, if you will, Judges chapter 6, amen. If you'll just keep your Bibles open, 
I'm going to go through a lot of these scriptures, and I'm just going to point out certain things, and I'll make certain points, and you've heard me preach enough to kind of know how this goes. Amen. Then the children of Israel, beginning with verse 1, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made themselves, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them, and then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. I find it interesting that the Bible tells us that because of the Midianites, because of their experience with the Midianites, amen, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel made for themselves. You see that? They made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds. In that area, it was very mountainous, and there was clefts and caves. And Brother Buford, I read in some places where they said some of the caves there maybe could have fit 4,000 people inside of that cave, and they would hide out there. And so that was the condition that the children of Israel were in. Because of the Midianites, it says, that they made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds in the mountains, amen. The Bible tells us that the, the Midianites would come into where they were and where they were staying, and they would destroy the produce of the earth. They would rob from them their sheep, their oxen, and their donkey. And the Bible says that they would have no sustenance. They would leave no sustenance for Israel. Amen. At this point, Israel, amen, was a delivered people. They were trying to live, amen. They had been brought out of Egypt, and they were trying to live in this land, but because of some of the decisions that they had made and the choices that they had found, amen, themselves making and making the wrong ones, amen, they have now found themselves in a place where they indeed are the children of the Most High God, but they are living low and they are hungry. Can I get an amen? They have found themselves where their, their decisions and their choices have brought them to a place where their enemy is all around and their enemy is constantly coming in and they are finding themselves where they are left with no sustenance. Amen. Can I tell you, praise God, if you get yourself involved with the world, the enemy will not leave anything for you. Amen. The enemy will leave you hungry and cold. That's his purpose. That's his plan. Amen. That's what he has set out to do. Praise God. If a child of God, amen, tries to live worldly, hallelujah, he or she will always feel like they are in one, one step forward and two step backwards. Amen. No matter how productive they try to be. I'm here to tell you, if you live one foot in the church and one foot in the world, amen, you are always going to be in wanting. You are always going to be weak you are always going to find yourself hungry hallelujah you're always going to find where the enemy has left your life desolate and you're looking for sustenance amen and though you may try to be productive one foot in and one foot out means one step forward and two steps back hallelujah you are always going to be without 
real production in your life, amen, because the enemy is going to see to it. The enemy is going to creep in. The enemy is going to destroy. The enemy is going to rob and kill, hallelujah, and take away from you, amen. I'm here to tell you, praise God, because of where you may be dwelling, amen, even though you are in the promised land, praise God, you are going to feel like you're in a den or in a cave or in a stronghold. Oh, hallelujah. If you find yourself living for the world, if you find yourself, amen, compromising, praise the Lord, you're going to feel more bound than you feel free. Can I get an amen? At least a Wednesday night nod. All right. For they would, verse 5, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous. Now I want to make an emphasis on this because we're going to talk about this later. So listen to this description. Coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. They couldn't even count them. There were so many of them. And they would enter into the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, amen, that the Lord sent a prophet to them. Let me just stop there. I want to encourage you here tonight. No matter what place you find yourself in, no matter what condition you find yourself in, no matter where your heart may end up, listen to me. When you cry out to God, He will hear you. If you're, if you're hemmed up in that den, if you're in, hiding out in that cave, if you have found yourself in a stronghold, I'm here to tell you, whatever decisions you have made up until that point, whatever choices you have made up until that point, if you cry out to God with sincerity, he will send you help. I ought to get I ought to get a hundred amens, amen. I had to get over 100 people that will say, oh, yeah, amen, I remember that. I remember a time when I was in a stronghold. I remember a time whenever I wasn't doing what I ought to be doing. I remember a time when the enemy was really after me, and I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my cry. He will never turn a deaf ear to his children. Amen. So God gives a clear, amen, and we're going to be in verse 8, a clear but gentle reminder of what he has already done for them and how they have squandered it. Look at verse 8. That the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I have delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Ebizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Here's what we're talking about. It's another witness of their condition. We find Gideon, amen, underneath an oak tree. That's what that uh, interprets to be, underneath an oak tree, next to a wine press, with just enough wheat in his hand to thresh by hand, and he's beating it on the bare ground instead of a wood threshing floor, amen, and he's doing that so that the Midianites won't hear what he's doing. That's their condition. That they have now 
been delivered by this God, amen, that brought them out of Egypt, that drove out their enemies, amen, that even not just drove them out, but then gave them the land from which he drove them out of. He gave the children of Israel as to be their land, amen. And now, another witness of what kind of condition they are in. You've got Gideon, a man that's hiding out underneath an oak tree with just enough crop to beat down on the ground to try to get that wheat or barley or whatever it is that he is threshing, a man to try to get that out so that he can make some kind of little cake and, get, and try to get it passed and get it done without the enemy hearing what he's up to. That's how oppressed they were, amen. That's the condition that they were in. Amen. It's so important that you and I realize what God has done for us. Amen. And that we don't squander that deliverance. Praise God. That we don't find ourselves where in a position where we are just trying to stay quiet and hidden and we just don't want the enemy to even know that we exist. Amen. That is not the victorious life of a child of God. Come on, somebody. That is not the victorious life of a child of God. We are not intended to be hiding from the devil or any of his, amen, spirits or foul, whatever's running around trying to trip people up, amen. We are not supposed to be in a place, amen, where we are afraid of him, where we are running from him, where we are just trying to do enough to get by and not make any ripples or noise or let anybody hear it or gather any attention from our enemy, amen. The children of Israel, when they were right, when they were healthy, and the presence of God came into the camp, they let out such a roar that the Bible says that all the enemies on the other side of the valley quaked with fear because they heard the roar and the rumble in the camp of Israel when the Ark of the Covenant came in there. Amen. That's the position that the child of God should be in. Amen. Not one hunkered down. Not one hiding out. Not one silenced or muted. Amen. By fear or anxiety or intimidation, amen. We should be a victorious people, a people of power, a people, amen, hallelujah, of triumph. We should be a people, amen, that when we call on the name of the Lord, we do it with confidence that he hears and he responds and he answers, hallelujah. Not that we're afraid that the enemy will hear us cry. Not that we're afraid that the enemy will see us, amen, in our failure, in our weakness. We cannot walk around and be afraid of that. We've got to know that we've got a God that's on our side. He's with us. He's for us. Hallelujah. We don't need to hide out. We need to be out on the forefront of the battlefield. Hallelujah. Letting that enemy know, hallelujah, that if they contend with us, they're going to contend with our God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just going to teach. Hold on. Teach with a dry mouth. Praise God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, this is the angel of the Lord speaking to Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> you think Gideon felt like that right then? Hiding underneath an oak tree, beating a little weed on the ground. The Lord, amen, is with you, you mighty man of valor. Can I tell you, I'm just going to say this. Some of you may laugh. Whatever condition you are in, the moment that God decides to step in, there's no requalify. I'm just going to say that. I know you've you got to requalify with people sometimes. 
But when you're hiding out next to an oak tree and you're just trying to make a little enough noise just to get by for the day, and all of a sudden God steps in, you're right there in that moment, a mighty man or woman of valor. Our God's a God of restoration. Hallelujah. They had been they had been beat up by the Midianites for seven years. They'd been in that condition quite a while, Brother Norm. But when God stepped in, he wasn't just old Gideon hiding by an oak tree beating a handful of wheat on the ground trying to be quiet and hide out. He was all of a sudden again, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Isn't that awesome? Gideon said to him, I like this part. This is where most of us would be. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Don't you think that would be you? I think that would be me. I'd look around and go, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, mighty man of valor, all right. Oh, yeah, we're doing real good, ain't we? Yeah, if you're with us, then why are we in this condition? Oh, yeah, if you're with us, then why are the Midianites beating up on us so bad? Because, see, sometimes we get deep into that pity party, and we get deep into some of our decisions and our choices, and we forget it was a whole series of choices and decisions that got us into that place. Oh, I wish I could get an amen in this house. Sometimes we forget that it was our decision, our choices for many, many years that got us wound up in that place where we're hiding underneath an oak tree, beating a little bush on the ground, trying to get some cake out of it. Hallelujah. And, and we forget, amen. And as soon as we cry out to God or as soon as God pays a little bit of attention to us, there's that enemy that wants to come in that's our flesh that wants to whisper in our ear and say, wait a minute, if God was with you, why are you in such bad shape? Let me tell you something, because God, hallelujah, His grace and His mercy does not mean He approves of you. Oh, hallelujah. You may do some things, amen, that His grace and mercy will eventually bail you out of when you cry out to Him. That does not mean He approved of the things that got you in that condition in the first place. So watch this. He says to him, oh, if, if you're God, if you're with us, then uh, and you, you're the God that brought us out of Egypt, then why are we in this condition? Watch this. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now get ready. Are you ready? This is the part that hurts. God, where are all the miracles, and where's all the deliverance? And God said, I just sent you. Lord, I got all these questions. I got all these blanks. Amen. Where are all the answers? I'm going to send you. Wait, what a minute. Wait a minute. Have I not sent you? Amen. God, good advice. Amen. That we heard recently at our section one prayer, um, prayer ministers. It was like a seminar or a conference. Amen. Sister Lisa Marshall told us, don't ever pray a prayer that you're not willing to be the answer. Come on, I wish I got a few more nods at least. Because guess what? God bring me out of this. And he's going to say, well, then get down on your knees and start praying. God, I need to get my life straight. I need to get my life back in order. All right, get back in my word and get back on your knees and start praying. God, I, I need to get back to church. All right, get in your car and drive back to church. Amen. 
Well, God, I, I, I need the miracles. I need the miraculous and the deliverance in my life. I need your presence in my life. Well, then you know how, you know where you left it. Amen. You know how to find it. Amen. He says, have I not sent you? Lord, we need a miracle. We need a deliverer. Okay, go do it. You didn't hear it. Amen. Amen. Let me just summarize, praise God, uh, verses 15 through 22. God promised to Gideon in that moment that he would be with him. We will see the first of Gideon's fleecing moments where Gideon, uh, amen, tells the angel of the Lord, he says, if, if you're really talking to me, would you just wait for me until I get back? And I'm going to go grab some things, and I'm going to get right back. And if you're still here, then I'll know you're really here. <laughs> All right? That's the, that's the first of Gideon's fleecing. So Gideon runs out, and uh, he, gets, he gets some stuff, and he makes like a little soup, amen, and he gets some things, and he comes back in there. And lo and behold, the angel of the Lord's still there, so you must actually be here. I thought I was backslide hallucinating. <laughs> Amen. So he, he decides that, yeah, that's God, and God is really trying to do something. So God sacrifices some things, or uh, Gideon sacrifices some things. He pours them on a rock. The angel of the Lord grabs his staff, turns it over, touches that rock. The rock bursts into flames and consumes, amen, his sacrifice. And then Gideon is confident that he is in God's presence. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great feeling? When you feel like you're finally back in the presence. Has anybody ever been in a place where you felt like you weren't right with the Lord? And then all of a sudden there was that moment where you're like, that's, that's what that feels like. I remember what his presence feels like. And that, and that was it. Amen. So God, he's, Gideon's now confident, amen, that he is back in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's skip to verse 23, if you will. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Or if you're in the King James Version, Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abizrites. Amen. Gideon felt at peace with the promise of God's deliverance. Amen. So much so that he built an altar and he decided to call that altar and the place thereof, Jehovah Shalom, amen, the God of peace, praise God. He felt so good to be in the presence of the Lord. You know, sometimes we forget what that's like, that he reconsecrated his life. He built an altar back to God, amen, and he said, I feel the peace of God. There was more to it. He remembered what it was like to hear the promises of God, and God has now guaranteed him. God has now promised him, I'm going to send you to be the deliverer. I'm going to send you to do the miraculous and you will not die four words you will not die hallelujah do you know that in that moment Gideon could face and encounter and experience anything and he had that peace of God because now he's back right with a relationship with God he had that peace of God that no matter what comes my way no matter what I face no matter what I experience I will not die God promised it, amen, to Gideon that day. 
Now it came to pass in the night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. And the bull was seven years old because they had been afflicted by the Midianites for seven years. And tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. Take the second bull, burnt sacrifice. Let me skip through it. Gideon took ten men. Amen. God told him that you got to, you got to, Tear down the altar. You've got to cut down the wooden image, amen. And I want you to take that wooden image. I want you to put it on a new altar that you build, praise God. And I want you to burn that image on top of your altar, praise God. I want you to use that for firewood. Isn't that awesome? I want you to use this image that you guys have set up and been worshiping. I want you to tear it down, and I want you to use it for firewood. Isn't that awesome? He's... Amen. If we're not careful, living worldly and spiritual destitute, amen, will bring a spiritual emptiness that will almost surely fill with idols. I can slow down a little bit if you want to be here a little longer. If we find ourselves living worldly and we find ourselves with that spiritual emptiness, we will fill that with idols. Let me define an idol for you. Not God. Can I get at least some of you veterans that'll go, oh yeah. Yeah, it can be anything. Look, it can be fishing. All the fishermen look down all of a sudden. It can be hunting. It could be it'd be tennis. It 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 could be it could be family. Sister Emma? It'd be all kinds of things. Tennis. She was laughing at tennis. I don't know why. Or maybe something else, and I just missed it. I missed the punchline. We will fill that emptiness and that void. We will fill it with something. Maybe just with busy. Amen? We may just fill it with busy. An idol in your life, when you have become worldly, whenever you have uh, uh, let your, your relationship with God wane and become weak, you will fill it with something. It, will, it won't remain empty. You will surely build up an altar and some idols to some other things that are just not God. All right, hallelujah. And then we will suddenly find ourselves, listen to this part, will suddenly find ourselves doing things that we know we ought not to do. Can I get an amen? If you're living worldly and you're not living for God and you're filling the voids in your life with everything but God, amen, you're going to find yourself making excuses and making room for things that you know you ought not to do. What kinds of things? Listening to ungodly music, watching ungodly things, going to ungodly places will start to feel more comfortable and accepted by ungodly people. I heard somebody say recently that they felt more comfortable, amen, when they went out at one time. They were, they were around some worldly folks. I don't know if they were work folks or who they were. And they said, you know what? I just felt kind of more comfortable around them. Like they accepted me a little bit more. And they started to testify, amen, to the fact. And they should have known right there in that moment, amen, that you're not in where you need to be with God if you can, amen. And I'm not saying that we don't eat with sinners. We don't visit with sinners. We know that Jesus himself did that. But what I'm saying is if you start to feel more comfortable and more accepted by them amen you ought to start looking at your life praise God 
You ought to start looking at the things that you're doing. You know why? You're probably filling some voids in your life with some stuff that ought not to be there. And at one point and at one time, you knew that it ought not to be there. The children of Israel knew better than to build idols. Come on, man. Can I get a come on, man? They do better than that mess. They didn't just wake up one day and they were that way. It was a gradual. They began to fill that void, amen. Let me just uh, 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 encourage you today. That stuff must be torn down, burned. Watch this. Not just in a cleaning house effort. You ever hear somebody say, man, we just need to go home and clean house. Have a good service. We're around these altars. And somebody just says, well, we got to go home. We got to clean some things out. No, I'm not talking about cleaning house. What the children of Israel had to do and what you and I have got to do when we find ourselves in positions like that, we need good old-fashioned repentance. We need a good old-fashioned, I'm going to stop going this way and I'm going to start going this way. I'm not talking about cleaning house. I'm talking about tearing down, burning up, use that stuff for firewood. I'm not talking about physical things right now. I'm talking about spiritual things. When you've got stuff going on in your life, amen, that is weakening you, that is starving you to death, that's robbing, stealing, and killing you, amen, what you need to do is stop where you are, identify it, recognize it, tear it down, burn it up, hallelujah, in a good old-fashioned hot prayer meeting where you're crying out to God tears are running down your face you're calling out scriptures you're declaring promises you're declaring prophecies you're regaining gifts hallelujah you've got to reclaim restore repent hallelujah that's what he was telling Gideon you got to do you got to tear that stuff down you got to burn that stuff up you built it up you put it there you got to get rid of it hallelujah and I want you to do it amen watch this because where he tore it down and he burned it up he did it as unto the Lord I want you to do it hallelujah when you get that stuff out of your life out of your mind out of your house hallelujah out of, out of your heart I'm here to tell you do it unto the Lord do it with a declaration that I'm going to tear it down and when I build back up I'm going to build God things back up in my life hallelujah I'm not going to just leave it empty I'm not going to just leave it torn down I'm going to build a new altar I'm going to burn a new sacrifice I'm going to make a new consecration I'm going to devote myself to God that's repentance amen that's repentance it must be torn down and burned amen there must be a repentance John said but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. The second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built, so they said to one another, Who has done this thing? Now listen to this. Because the men in the city rose up, and they saw that their idol had been torn down, and the grove had been cut down and it had been burned. And they said, we want to know who's done this thing. And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal. Remember, these are God's kids saying this. Did, did you hear what I said? These are God's kids saying, whoever tore down my altar to Baal... Bring that cat out here because we're going to kill him. These are God's kids. This is the children of Israel. This isn't just pagans. This isn't Philistines. Oh, hallelujah. 
that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal because he has cut down the wooden image that is beside it. And Joash said to all that stood against him, I love this, this man stood up and said, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? You're going to stand up and defend a false god in the face of someone that was doing the right things? Amen. Have you ever noticed some folks that get defensive when you start preaching against worldliness? (laughs) Some folks start pulling the jacket a little tighter. All of a sudden they get interested in what's going on on their phone. They take a phone call. They got to go to the bathroom. They pinch the baby. It starts crying. Who's got a baby crying over there? I'm just teasing. Amen. Folks get defensive when you start talking about things that they ought not be doing. They get defensive about it. Amen. They want to defend it. Amen. They, the first thing they want to do is, is strike at you for something you've done. Well, how dare you say that to me? You know what you've done? Right? Am I right? You can't preach that to me. You know where you've been? Let the one who would plead for him. Watch this. This is what he stands up and he says more. Let the one who would plead for him. In other words, this false God. Let him be put to death by mourning. If he is a God, talking about Baal, let him plead for himself. Because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called Gideon, Jerubbabel, saying... Let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Let me give you the Keith Keith J. version. If the world or the God of this world has a problem with it, let him do something about it. When you start tearing stuff down, amen, if he's got a problem with it, let him do something about it. Because let me tell you something. If you're doing things as unto God, if you are repenting, praise the Lord, if you are turning your life around, if you're submitting and and reconsecrating and redevoting your life to
Or they can just get the facts. And I'm just going to give you guys an alien and I'll explain something like what a fluid versus alien can be. Does that sound like you that? Does that sound right? Okay, I just covered. I just covered. 